Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the School of Last Podcast. Rick Roberts here, excited to have some time with you. Excited that I just wrapped up a uh, three-part writing class here in Nashville. Had a very great group of insightful students, ranging from a pair of uh, advertising guys, some mad men, were in the back of the room, all the way to uh, people that wait some tables and have exchanges with, with people on a regular basis, and they want to learn how to take that funny and put it on the stage. All the way to a retiree who likes to do comedy more than crocheting. You name it, we had it in this group, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, we're going to have a few questions from a few of those folks here in a second that we'll tackle on the podcast. do want to thank our Patreon supporter for this episode, Judy Barbie. You want to talk about Small World Full Circle. So, Judy, I met back, uh, man, it's probably five or six years ago in Denver. I was doing a, a show at the stadium there and they had like, you know, the, the side room at the Denver stadium. Anyway, it was for the Western Dairy Association. And after the show wrapped up, I was waiting on my Uber or my cab or whatever it was at the time. And they say, where's your hotel at? She and her husband were there at the event. And I said, Hey, right across the street, I can see it from here. I just don't want to walk over there. In the cold, you know, so they gave me a ride over and next thing you know, several years goes by, I'm thinking at least five. And then I get an email from Judy saying, hey, small world, I didn't know that you taught classes. I'm a speaker. I speak about diet and health. And I was asking a friend of mine, how do I make things funnier? They recommended your podcast and I put the two dots together. I'm like, I kind of know that guy. He was in the backseat of my car and we dropped him off at his hotel. How about that? Which brings me to something that's uh, even triple full circle. Maybe that's a figure eight plus a, it's a snowman, right? Two circles and one more on top. That's a, I'm going to call this a snowman. So you get the double circle back. And now I'm excited that in early January, I'm put together the master laughter class for speakers, teachers, trainers, and preachers, people who have content that they want to make funnier so they can engage the audience on a more emotional level. Pump them up full of energy, but also open the ideas uh, in their brains to being receptive to their programs and their messages. And this is designed, like I say, 100% for people that already have content. doesn't have to be funny content. It could be any kind of content that you want to punch up and add humor to. Super stoked about this class. Been working the better part of five, six months on this. And I created a whole new curriculum strictly for this class. And the uh, registrations are now open. If you want to find out more about that, go to masterlaughterclass.com. Masterlaughterclass.com. Won't bore you with the details, even though I'm excited about it. But it's going to be a two-day, hands-on, intensive uh, teaching plus training plus exercise. You get up and do some of the the instruction that we teach you and we apply it to your content. And if that's something that interests you, go ahead and, and sign up as early as possible. It's going to be a limited size because I want to have maximum impact and engagement with the people who sign up. 
So check out masterlaughterclass.com if you want to find out more about that. Hope to see you there. And uh, man, it's going to be a, a great time. Can't wait for that. All right, now let's get into our episode before I ramble too far. And here are a few questions from some current students. There'll be plenty of links in the show notes since they asked some questions that I have uh, deeper podcast answers on. So make sure you check out the show notes at schooloflast.com. All right, enough of me. Let's get into it with my students. Well, I am here after the uh, writing class. We just wrapped up session three. It's kind of a sad time. We don't know what to do now. So we thought we'd sit around and ask a few questions about comedy in general. And I've got five students with me, and it's going to be kind of cool. I'm going to start off over here. Could you tell everybody your name and maybe why you took the class? Sure, Rick. Yes. Uh, my name is Richard Taylor. Um, I'm not a native of t- Nashville, but I've a uh, South Florida boy that was always told I was funny. Uh, I've been in the restaurant business roughly about 20 years. Uh, so every table is a new set. I've been funny to every, a lot of restaurants I've always been known as the funny guy. Just never done anything with it other than just work. Come up to Nashville, think maybe I could start a new opportunity and start something new and maybe get that ball rolling. Good. And what's your question today? So every comic starts off not being the best on stage. They Sometimes they bomb. They don't do well. So my question for you, how did you personally deal with your first few times of bombing, not doing well or, you know, not working the right set, if you will? Yeah, it's definitely early on a lot more failures than successes. Tough skin. You got to develop pretty early for me, you know, one of the good things when I first started is I didn't know anything else, like what a good set for me is or what a bad set. I just knew I had to go do it. And so some of the early sets pretty brutal as far as like up there for five minutes, maybe getting two laughs. But the, you know, the first time like that's two more laughs than I've ever got up there, you know, then I would go back and I'd have a week usually, especially the first open mic that I would hit was always Sunday nights, like 10 o'clock. Not, not the prime time for comedy anywhere. So uh, I'd had a whole wi- work week where I, any downtime at the desk, I was doing like data entry stuff. And I would just look at my jokes and go, what else can I do? What else can I do instead of that one? How do I rework that one? And I, I didn't record a bunch of sets early back then. There was, I know I did, but I don't, I don't remember how I did it. I must have had like a little pocket recorder or something. Remember those little mini cassettes? So I would listen back and I would just listen for when the audience laughed. Then I would, try to define if they were laughing the right way or they're laughing because it wasn't working and make sure I didn't like do something because it wasn't working again. But the goal every week was just like I sort of early on identified if they liked the set and they liked me too closely together. So it made it hard to go back to some places because like, they hated me there. They just hated that I didn't have jokes that were well-written is really what they hated. So when you have bombing sets now, when you first start, the key I think to everything we – touched on it lightly here is just have one specific goal for that set. And if the goal is just to try out five minutes of new jokes or five new jokes or whatever, that's the only thing you have to judge when you get off stage. You didn't take it personal, you know, walk away personally. I did like- a little bit early, but to be honest, I was pretty young. I didn't have any, there was no risk if I didn't do well, you know, I still had my day job the next day I went to, it was all strangers. Nobody knew me. So I didn't have to own up to that the next day. Like, man, you sucked yesterday. Like, I didn't tell people at work that I was doing stand-up for like a, almost a whole year until I just about quit and went ahead and did it. And uh, I didn't tell my parents and 
six years in, <laughs> you know, nobody knew what was going on. You went from data to the stage. Oh man. Yeah. So it was like one of those things where I was the only one that really knew how bad it was. And eventually the other comics kind of either accept you or they don't based on how bad you do. And uh, the good news is the comics that are worse than you, they, they still want to hang out with you because you're like, this guy's as bad as us. So you always have somebody to kind of hang with. But as you get a little bit better, a few other people go, hey, this guy isn't so bad. Hey, let me work, help you on that joke a little bit. Or they'd see you enough to where they would go, man, you've done that joke 10 times. Change this. Mm. And so if you can weather the storm of bombing to where people get to know you a little bit, they're a little more helpful to help you get better. But the bottom line is don't don't associate bombing with it. you're a horrible person. Because I did that for a while, too. After I kind of started working, when, it, when it was more at risk, if I'd have a bad set, like it really... So you, didn't, you didn't take it personal? Not initially. But once it kind of went full time. Even was, if you thought the material was good? Like your own personal material you, you know is funny. Then you work it and not that crowd. Do you continue that material somewhere else and go, you know what? This has to be funny. Yeah. Like if it had been funny before, then all of a sudden one night it didn't work. Then I would evaluate. Sometimes it was my fault. I went too fast or I did the did the jokes out of the right order. Like I, I put my closer up front because I thought I needed to win them over, but they're not ready for a five-minute story from a stranger. So there's a lot of that evaluation. I mean, the thing is, every single time on stage, even now, it's, I'm learning something. So when I'm driving back from my show tomorrow night, you know, on the way there, I'm, I'm putting together my set in my head if I haven't done it already that afternoon and what my goal is. And on the way home, I'm like, did I accomplish the goal of trying the new material or whatever? And then how did it go? And what did I do wrong? Uh, there's I always do something wrong. And how do I not do that wrong again? So it's just a, an experiment every single time. But you have to be the one running the experiment. Nobody else can run it for you. That's the most frustrating. I wish I could write five minutes, have you go do it, and then come back and tell me what worked so I, I didn't have to face the silence. But I would say just expect expect there to be silence and expect there to be nights where it's not going well. And so it doesn't throw you off when it's happening. That's probably a better answer. Took me seven minutes to get there. All right. Thanks, Richard. My name's Patrick Bowles. I I just have a, I guess I'm going through a midlife crisis and I'm looking for a second chapter of life or third, fourth chapter of life. I wanted to become a stand-up comedian. And so uh, my girlfriend actually got me this class as a gift to just kind of get the ball rolling, get it started. Sometimes I procrastinate a little too long. And so this kind of, jump-started everything it really worked too to, it, to your credit it, it's gotten me writing more it's got me you know exercising that okay. muscle so to speak but uh i was wondering you know being that i'm 40 now you know i've got a pretty stable lifestyle job etc i hear a lot of comics say that you have to struggle you have to grind you have to eat one piece of bologna every two days to, <laughs> right. to, you know, you have to really go all in with no safety net in order to really make it. And I don't really want to do that. I'd like to keep my job and do this too and try to develop it while doing that without the huge destitute of struggle. And I was wondering if you feel like that's really absolutely necessary for to go all in and with no safety net in order to make it. Or can you have kind of both an easier transition, so to speak? There's a lot of ways to do it. I will say that a lot of comics that tell you you have to grind it out and you have to suffer is just because misery loves company and they don't want to see you do it a different way. You know, I, used, I think of it like this, like everybody's got to pay dues, but we don't all have to pay the same dues. 
what you give up in comfort is going to be different than what I gave up for comfort when I was 21 and I, and I didn't really have a lot of responsibilities. You know, for me, I, I was lucky in the sense that I didn't have to, you know, I didn't have kids or a wife or even a steady girlfriend. It's like, I just, I've got freedom to go do this and, and see what happens. And if, if it didn't work out, I could go back to my day job, you know, but you're 20 years further than that, 41, right? And you've got something that's working for you and it's paying the bills and, you know, depending on what kind of bills you have and how much more you got to pay on them and all those things, that safety net's pretty important. So you don't have to suffer. However, there are, there are things that you, there's no shortcut around, which is, is stage time. Like you're not going to be able to get there quicker by doing less sets. That's going to be pretty rare. It's not, you're not going to be able to develop a, a full set without taking some, some longer stabs at things and getting, you know, like for instance, you're close to Memphis. Yes, sir. Between Nashville and Memphis. About an hour away. Yes, sir. So you've got options as far as tapping into Memphis and doing some sets, tapping into Nashville, maybe taking the occasional trip down to Birmingham or up to Louisville, over to St. Louis. There's, you know, the good thing about where we are geographically is there's a lot of places within five hours, almost 40% of the population in the U.S. within eight hours. So the grind for for you that you can't escape will be doing some driving, uh, spending some nights either in the car on the way back if you want to save some money or making a trip out of it with your girlfriend or whatever. Those kinds of grinds are going to have to happen. To to say you got to eat bologna, you've already you've got food in your fridge right now, right? Unless here's the thing: losing your day job now would would put so much stress on your comedy because you you have a comfortable a stable lifestyle going on. A lot of comedy comes out of not being stable. Ah, uh, yeah. So the first thing you would need to do is find out the parts in your world that are are least stable right now. And dig into that hard for some comedy so that you can be a little more relatable to the other comics and the other and the audience, really. I mean, it doesn't do any of us good to get up there and talk about how successful we are. So the struggles are always going to be important to the audience. So figure out what those already are. Don't you don't have to go construct new ones. So talk. sociopathic personality. Got it. Exactly. Got it. Yes. I got that from all four <laughs> emails that you have. <laughs> Uh, from all the way back to Hotmail. Thanks for sending that one in. <laughs> and that's when I knew you were saying Bringing it back. That's my callback. Comics will always want, want you to have the same struggle they did, or worse, because most comics are horrible people who uh, couldn't succeed in regular day-to-day life. You've already succeeded in well, regular day-to-day in. life. To I'll fit degree. in just fine with them. <laughs> yeah. So it's just fine. And here's here's one reality, though, that I will tell you for sure is down the road when you've got an act, whether it's seven minutes or 15 or 20 minutes even, if you've developed that much and it's and it's consistent and it works. And I had an opportunity where I could have an opener do 20 minutes. I would give that opportunity to a person who's pursuing comedy full-time first before somebody who's pursuing it as a hobby part-time. And I know that's true of other comics because they just know that once you're in it, you've got to get as many gigs as you can and the struggle is more real and there's more at stake. Now, as a, as a student of mine, though, I would probably lean, if it's between a student of mine and somebody that wasn't a student who's doing it full-time, I'd probably defer to you. But most comics would defer to the comic who's going full-time or has more invested in it. Right. So, you, But you could still be considered going full-in while working at, yeah. at your current job. To a degree. To a degree. Okay. Yeah. But here's the other layer of that is, like, you have to decide, and it'll change throughout the journey, what you're comfortable being in the eyes of other comics. And I wouldn't put too much worry into that. 
but there'll be comics that are jealous because you're doing comedy and you've got a job and they think they're, you're stealing minutes from them. Right. But they're not their minutes. They're minutes at the stage, at the open mic or whatever. You're, you're, you're going after it. And if you've got better material, you're going to win out over the comics that are full-time or trying to go full-time with bad material. So you'll have some resentment for some comics that this guy's taking up stage time, but this is what I do for a living or this is what I'm trying to do for a living. So just know that that's part of it and just be nice to those guys and don't, I mean, not that you were a guy that would shove it in their face. Like, Hey, I still got a job tomorrow. Your act sucked. And what do you got? You know, <laughs> just be patient with them. And then, uh, the, you know, put as much into it as you can. And then the last little thing that I'll add is whatever occupation you've had for the majority of your life. If you can mind that, and this goes for you, Richard, too, especially, and anybody's nurse or, you know, whatever you're doing, paramedic, if you can write material about that, if you can develop 15 knockout minutes that would be funny to a general audience, it would be extremely funny to your core audience of other paramedics or other nurses or, you know, anything that you're in. You can start to develop a niche for yourself and find where those groups are meeting for their conferences, conventions, and become the entertainer for their banquet night or award ceremony. And you'll be the funniest person in your field to them. And you'll have opportunities that the comics who are not, I didn't have a background really when I was 21. I didn't have a big farming, you know, growing up, but I didn't have that niche to fall into like you've got. So you've got an advantage over me, even though it's a later age. So don't neglect your current occupation. Mine that for some material. They say there's riches in the niches. So if, if you've got a really solid chunk of material about a specific thing. I thought that was snitches get stitches. Is that the uh, same? Loose lips sink ships, got I it. think. Look up a guy named Eddie B. All right. Every teacher in America knows who Eddie B is. Nobody else does. But he is hilarious. He's like the Kevin Hart of teachers. And wherever he goes, he sells out. I mean, just with it, putting one, two Facebook posts up, all the teachers spread the word. Entire school districts will buy tickets for their all their teachers to go see him because he speaks their language. All right, there's the funniest cops in America. The anything just become the funniest of that, and that could be a niche where you can still keep your day job, have credibility, but have humor too, and not have to go on the road. As you much. guys be look on the lookout for the funniest nurse in the biz. Yeah, well, there's actually remind me later, and I'll send you a link. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And thanks for this class. It's been great. Really you appreciate bet. it. Learned a lot. Hey, I appreciate you driving up for it. You want to take it, Jared? All right. Tell us who you are and why you took the class. And then yeah. Uh, my name is Jared Tullis. I took the class. I, I'm a full-time stay-at-home dad, and I'm also a freelance copywriter, and I run a, uh, a humor page uh, on Facebook uh, in the parenting niche. So this checks a lot of boxes for me. I've always wanted to try stand-up and see see what I could do with it, but also in the, the business that I run, it's a good way to keep the creativity going and, and kind of uh, work that muscle. So it, it serves a lot of purposes for me, unless it's a good way to get out of the house. That's true. Yeah, if you've been home all day. <laughs> yeah. So my question is, you know, obviously I'm a pretty busy guy hustling kids around and writing and that sort of thing. How do you divide your time when you're first getting started between um, writing and going out and performing? And how do you schedule that and kind of work the balance between those two? Yeah, it's, it can be tricky, especially, like you say, if you've got kids already, it sounds, uh, and I'm sure you, there's tons of material, especially if you're doing a humor page around being a dad and stuff. So there's definitely some, some stuff you can dig into there. The first thing is the balance between you and your wife. That's the key to everything. Oh, yeah. Because if you don't have that, then she will be resentful of you getting out of the house going to do something. Yeah, That's and we've, we've already laid a lot of that groundwork good. already, so we have a good communication about That's it. That's excellent. So that, that definitely the first step. And unfortunately, a lot of comics don't check that box and, and make sure. 
because to, to the rest of your family, it's something brand new that's taking time away from them. Right. But if you've got that past, then it, well, as a, as a dad, it, there's two things. One is stamina. How late can you stay out and still be functional the next day? Because sure. that'll be an issue. Some of these open mics won't start till 9.30 or 10, and they draw names out of a hat. And if you're at 12.30 at night, that's when you go or else you don't go. And the, the best open mic is the next one. So you can't like bow out of that one and, and get anything out of it. So, you know, physically, what can you do? It sounds like you'll have supply and demand issues as well. You get maybe more supply of time at home where maybe you have some time to write. Yeah, I do. So I would always take advantage of whatever supply is heaviest. And then as you develop material, you, know, you could look at it a few ways. It's always good to try to get some reps every week to just kind of build on it. But if you find that's not possible... I would try to have a, a period of writing and then maybe a period of two weeks where you hit as much as you can to try that writing out and then go back, have a couple of weeks or whatever to write more material. Like you could do it that way. You could do it day to day. The, the main thing really is what can you handle? Because I know once I had my kids, the, the sleeping part was very hard for us. <laughs> and I'd be nodding off before the show started at seven, you know. So it's whatever you can handle and still be effective at it. Yeah, fortunately on that end, my, my kids work at like clockwork. So, you know, and, and I'm a night owl anyway. So that, well, that works I, good. I, you know, I've got that uh, benefit. But um, but you're right. The, the stamina part of it is something that I do deal with. You know, I have anxiety disorder and all that. And that takes a lot of energy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just to calm that <laughs> yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. Just to, to keep it in check. So, and you got uh, brain fog. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So then, it's it's knowing where to spend your time and how, how much energy to spend on it. So that's why I asked the, the yeah. question. Well, I think that the great thing for you is I think you'll really appreciate when you do get stage time because you know how how hard it is to get out of the house. And, oh, yeah, know. that's like gold. Yeah, it's gold. So I, what I'm not worried about with you is, is you taking advantage of your stage time because it's precious moments, not the figurines, but yeah. the actual reality <laughs> of having time to yourself to do something as an adult and speak to other humans that are adults. That is that is gold. <laughs> it, it is, man. And I, I wish you luck on it. But I always think of what I should have said at first. So here's the 10-second answer. Is occasionally it has to go way off balance because it's not a normal thing that we're doing as comics. So there's going to be periods where it's going to seem too much to your family. And there's going to be periods where you feel like it's too much to be at home. And so it's rarely going to feel perfectly balanced. I'll say that. But just note, if you all discuss that, there's going to be imbalanced moments. Like my family right now, I was gone the last four days. I'm home tonight. I've got two shows at night this week, and then I'm gone through Sunday. So last night when I saw my wife, I'm like, we should hang out and talk a little bit because I won't really see you at an hour where you're awake until next Sunday. So this this is a time of balance going the wrong way. But once Thanksgiving hits, I'm home for like nine days in a row. So by the fifth day, she'll be like, when's your next show? You got to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's become your routine of know, knowing where their imbalance is and working within that context. Yeah, it's really like a yo-yo. Like it, it, I'll be gone for a while, then hey, I'm really close for a few days. Then I'm gone for a while, and there's peak seasons and slow seasons. So as long as you guys know that there's going to be times where it sucks because you're gone a few extra nights of the week, you know, it's just part of it. Good question. Hello, my name is Marcus, new to Nashville, performer, musician. My question, where are all these open mic nights that you speak of that have hats and names? And Yeah, I've said it a couple of times, but it may have been right before you got here or right after you left. But in Nashville, there's a website called NashvilleStandUp.com. And Chad Ryden, who uh, manages that website, always puts the updated stuff in there. So you can go there and see what day of the week the open mics are, what time they start. When you need to be there to sign up, sometimes you got to be there an hour beforehand uh, so they put your name in a hat. 
That also increases patrons at the bar or restaurant. If you're there an hour, you got to end up buying something to eat or drink. So it, it helps fund the night. And then it, the great other thing is if you go to any other city, there's almost always a Facebook page. I know there's a Memphis comedy page in, yeah. on Facebook. I know there's a Lexington, Kentucky. I know there's a Louisville. I know there's an Alabama. Stand, and if you go into any of those and ask to join, you can ask any of those people. So if you, if you had a gig where you traveled out of state, look up that city, that stand-up website or the, the Facebook page, and just connect with comics on there. Say, hey, man, I'm off on Thursday in St. Louis. Where can I go to a mic? And they'll tell you, and they'll tell you the rules. And most open mics will save a spot or two for people that are passing through out of town if they hear about it. Like, oh, man, you're... Yeah, go on. Do five minutes. We're tired of seeing this idiot anyway. Go up and do your thing, you know. Keep it fresh. And lastly, if if there's not an open mic when you want there to be one, start one. Best possible way to get stage time is to put on your own open mic. And that's simply, I've got a whole podcast on that I can point you to, and I'll put it in the show notes for this. But there's a process of approaching a bar, finding out when their slow night is, working out the deal, what how much money is going to be exchanged, if any, and expectations of how long the show is, equipment, all that stuff. And if you host your own show, you can do as much time as you want and as much time in between comics and you get as much stage time as possible. I'm Scott Webb, and I just came down to take the class. I'm not only interested in the stand-up comedy. I have been for years. I love live comedy and start writing some jokes and things and figure out how to process it and do everything. But I'm also interested in the MC things and public speaking and things like that. I've done speech team my whole life or in high school and I've been public speaking. But you remember the National Speakers Association? So I was wondering how to get into that and how all that worked. All right. So lucky for you, Kentucky has a chapter in Louisville. So NSA, National Speakers Association, I joined it about, I want to say five years ago. I'd done some comedy at some events where they had comedy and a speaker, and the speaker said, hey, man, you should join this group and learn about the business side of things a little bit more and how to present yourself to the people that are hiring you. There was a case where I, there was an event at night, and we met with the event planner that afternoon. I rolled up in camouflage and hat on backwards and you know ripped up Ohio State sweatshirt, and he's in a suit, and so is the event, you know, the lady from the company, and uh, in the hallway is like, you're not part of any organizations, are you? <laughs> I said, I said, what makes you say that? He goes, you look like a hobo, man. What are you doing? You're getting paid. He knew how much I was getting paid. He's getting paid the same thing. He's like, that's not how you dress for this kind of gig. He goes, you should look in the National Speakers Association. So that's when I first looked into it. The ways that you can join it. So first, and I'll connect you after this. So make sure you email and say, send me that link. But they have regular meetups, whether it's every month or every six or eight weeks. And they'll have a topic, and they'll have an established speaker come and speak on a specific part of the speaking business. And if I'm correct in remembering, you can attend a couple of those meetings, like as an associate, where you just pay like whatever it is to to attend the meeting, thirty nine bucks or forty nine or whatever it is for the information. And then after a few times, you have the option to to join the local chapter, and that's an annual dues. It's not too extreme. And then if you like that, you can join the National Speakers Association, and for them. They have a certain amount of rules as far as becoming a member. So to be a full member of the NSA, you have to have so many speaking engagements a year, earn a certain amount of money over a course of five years if you average those speaking engagements together, and uh, have a certain amount of ethics in your in your programs that you develop. So they've got an onboarding system through those, through those regional meetings. Okay. So you can kind of get up to speed with those people. And it's a great chance to network. You'll meet other speakers. Most chapters have a, a humorist or a comedy guy in there. In yours, in Kentucky, Mark Klein will be a guy you want to tap into talking to. And then he can kind of help you network around the area. 
you know, in Kentucky and then build your base out from there. The advantage of joining an association like that. So the first meeting I went to, the first conference, so it's the annual dues to be a member is something like seven ninety nine or something. It's, it's it's not chump change. So it makes you think. And if you're qualified for it, you're like, it's, it's worth it. The first three minutes of the first session I went to the first year, more than paid for like the next 10 years of going to the conference. Just just a couple of tidbits I picked up on right away of how to approach different clients and using the client's language instead of yours to tell them what you can deliver. Like I heard a person speak on that. I'm like, well, that just paid for this conference. Like it, it sold me just like that. They also have a monthly magazine that goes out, hard copy and a downloadable one, and a monthly podcast where they have six to eight of their top speakers giving their best tips on how to attract clients and develop your business. So even if I can't attend a conference every year, I've got that monthly income of, of knowledge that they're sending my way that helps my business. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. And thank you for the class too. It was a great class. And I, even with the driving and everything, it was wonderful. Yeah. Thanks appreciate for coming it. down from Richmond, Kentucky. Yeah. All right. Thank you guys for uh, sticking around. Great questions. I'm sure everybody listening will tap into it too. And I'll see you down the road, one place or the other. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I love hanging out with people who are interested in comedy and interested in learning how they can do it the best so they make the best use out of their time. And that's why I love teaching these classes. Thanks to the five fellows who hung out and did the question and the answer session with me. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks again to Judy Barbie, who is the Patreon supporter for this episode. If you don't know what Patreon is, just go to schooloflast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. In short, it's a way for people who really want to get better at comedy to do it faster. And if you contribute to the podcast at a $7 a month or more level, you also get involved in Club 52, which is a weekly email in your inbox with one specific thing that is tackleable that particular week. So it's highly actionable. And at the end of 52 weeks, you have moved way closer and further into the areas of getting bigger, better, and more bookable. All right. I got to run. Got to hop on a plane here in a second so i wanted to make sure i got this one out thank you guys for listening itunes reviews are always welcome if you leave one i'll read it on the air thanks again take care and talk to you next time stay safe and stay funny thanks for listening to the school of laughs podcast if you'd like to hear more school of laughs podcast you can find them on itunes and stitcher.com and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for information on upcoming live and online classes visit schooloflaughs.com Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.